Hey everyone, welcome back to Tubers Tabak Book Club. Today I am your host, Andrew, and I'm joined by Josh. Hello there. Hey, we're covering Winter's Heart, again by Robert Jordan. It's book nine in the Wheel of Time series, the longest fantasy series ever. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. <laughs> um, it's going to be chapters 27 through 32. We actually originally were going to do 27 to the end, but we decided to kind of split it up. So we're going to do 27 to 32, and then we'll do a different video over 33 to the end. But this video is just going to be 27 to 32. So we can get right into it here. Um, I'm just going to look at my notes here. So the first part of this chapter is Elaine's perspective. So Elaine is going to meet with the Borderlanders. Um, again, the Borderlanders are the people that border the Blight, right? They're the people that were in the, fir the second book and part of the first book, I think, too. Like the Shinarans. And all the people up in the north who constantly have to deal with Trollocs and stuff like that. So they actually came down to Andor and Elaine is meeting with all their, you know, leaders. So Elaine chooses to introduce herself as a green Aes Sedai instead of the daughter heir. Because she's trying to, you know, speak to them as an Aes Sedai rather than royalty. And so the Borderlanders tell Elaine that they're looking for Rand. Elaine makes an agreement with them. She, she understands this is kind of a volatile situation, right? They brought a pretty sizable army into Andor. So she makes an agreement with them that says, you know, all right, I'm going to tell you approximately where Rand is as long as you leave Andor within a week so that there's no bloodshed between your army and like other Andoran armies. So they agree to that. He uh, she tells them that he's somewhere in Murindy. Um, after that conversation, a scout comes. I can't remember if it's a scout or just one of the council people with Elaine. But he tells Elaine that there's four small armies approaching Camelon right now. They don't know what nation they're under yet. Robert Jordan kind of leaves that as a cliffhanger. But Elaine, there's just a bunch of details about Elaine basically preparing for a siege of Camelon. So that's kind of the first part we yeah. get here. Yeah, go ahead. This, this whole scene... Uh, is just showing like how Elaine's character uh basically like is you know grew grew up as a princess like she has all this knowledge of how to run a kingdom so not only does she have to play the how the housing game to become queen she also gets to hide that she's pregnant with a dragon reborn uh reborn son or daughter and and now she has to try to have a communication with these borderlanders by not because they don't they're like you know they're borderlanders that they don't really care too much about uh well, royalty as such like they're more a lot more blunt so elaine is now thinking oh i can't approach them as the queen even though she's not even queen yet uh so she that's why she chooses Aes Sedai because she knows they will respect her more as an Aes Sedai rather than the queen and so it's like an all it's all a mental game that she's playing and juggling to get the best advantage she possibly could get. And then like out of nowhere there's like, all right, now there's a lot four more armies showing up and she's just like, ah, oh, bro. She has a lot on her plate. Interesting to see what comes of it. Yeah, she she has a lot of stuff she's dealing with, just like how you listed out that laundry list there. I think it's really fun kind of seeing this perspective of Elaine. We know that she's a princess. We know that she grew up in royalty. We know that she is capable of like running a nation. So now we're really seeing her starting to do it. So it's kind of cool to see. But it is also like there's a lot of shit going on for sure. And now there's about to be 
another siege we still haven't even gotten to the tarvalin siege that yeah Egwene <laughs> yeah. is supposedly going to do at some point so now we have elaine who's who's potentially going to have to defend her city um which i imagine you know i mean i guess i'll make a prediction right now that you know she'll defend the city and that'll help her standing as like being the queen or whatever this will kind of solidify her standing but yeah um yeah i'm excited that's a good, to see that's a good prediction yeah no we'll see we'll see yeah, I another little thing with this whole uh, debacle or whatever. I don't know if that's the right word for it, but how she she walks in with Avienda and and um, I keep wanting to say Roberta, but I know it's not Roberta. Her uh, uh, her warder. Oh, uh, Brigida. 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 Yeah, I don't know why. For for some reason, I just keep whatever. Does <laughs> does does a lot of damn names, dude. Yeah. <laughs> but so Brigida is in there back 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 to her watching the entrance. Yep. Or, or was it Avienda? No, Avienda was like next to her, right? Something but, like uh, that. Yeah. But Avienda, you know, where told at a certain point to not say a word, so she doesn't, and then her warders watching watching Elaine's back. And and then I can't remember exactly what happened, cause, uh, but but Avienda started laughing, and then one of the ladies in the council is just like, "Who brought in this Aiel dog?" <laughs> <laughs> that's my sister. Yeah, it's my like, sister. It was that whole that whole part. Uh, loved it. It was hilarious. Not only was it super funny, but I just I love Avienda. She cracks me up. Avienda is great uh, now as a character. Um, but yeah, like her declaring like, oh, this is my warder. She's a female, which has never really been done. And then, oh, this Aiel is my sister, which is makes no sense. And she doesn't explain any of it either. She's just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <She's laughs> like, the less funny. she explains, the better. Right. Oh, but uh, yeah, Lane has a lot going on. Uh, this, is, this is the last time we see her in the in the book right yeah this is the last time and we're kind of jumping ahead but yeah but this is the last time we see her in this uh this section so yeah definitely kind of a cliffhanger moment um but yeah this is this is the last part but it'll be interesting to see what comes of it yeah no definitely there's a lot of cliffhangers in this section i feel like um but we'll, we'll kind of get into that did you have anything else you wanted to talk about with this situation uh no, I mean it. Th- this section, I think, just goes to show that Elaine's uh, cr- critical thinking ability is times ten, and we'll see where we'll see where it leads her. Yeah, definitely. All right, so like I said, we we're we we're in Elaine's perspective for a bit there. We're not going to see it again in this section, but we're going to switch to Matt's perspective now in Ebudar. So. I'm just going to set the like context of this from my notes. So Queen Tylen is about to leave for a week to explore the lands that she's going to own with the Shan Chan. So this is a good opportunity for Matt to start to orchestrate his escape, right? So he starts to, uh, you know, orchestrate it. He tells Julin, hey, can you steal three Suldom dresses and a Damani dress so we can disguise the Aes Sedai that I want to get out of this area as well. So Julin starts working on that. Um, Beslin. So I'm only going to bring up this point because I thought it was like an interesting way to think about this from, again, like an RPG game perspective. But Beslin the, is one of the sons of Queen Tylen. He proposes that instead of this plan that 
Matt has been talking about for a while. He's like, why don't we just create an uprising with all the chained Aes Sedai and then over try to overthrow the Shan Chan, just take the city back, and then you can just leave. So he proposes that plan and Matt's like, no, I'm not going to do that. But I wanted to ask, like, again, the RPG question of, like, if you were playing a video game, if we were playing a video game, the Wheel, the wheel of Time, Winter's Heart, video game nine in the series, <laughs> would, you, would you decide to go with the more covert plan that Matt has, you know, been orchestrating for a while? Or would you try to do something more, you know... Um, like this uprising with Besslin, like a little bit more flair. I don't know how to describe that, but what what would um, you do? Well, with my knowledge of the Sanchan and how how they're the Demani are basically broken down into like basically being dogs, and their mindsets like as as they are slaves, their mindsets change into just accepting their role as as a slave except they don't really like think of it like that like they they think of it like how a dog would think of their master or their owner and everything they do because there's at one point i can't remember if uh matt was talking about this but there's uh one point where one of the demoni were were saying how or i think it was one of the i said i actually that matt was talking to was like uh there would be times where uh, I would want to do, I would want to please my, uh, uh, what did what did they what did they call them? Like there was his, uh, uh, the Soldom, yeah. They wanted to like Soldom. please them after the yeah. treats and stuff, yeah. Like yeah, a dog. so they want to, yeah, so they want to please them. And then at one point, she's just like, I didn't want to please the Soldom for the treats. I wanted to please the Soldom because I love the Soldom. And so it's like the the Sanchan, uh, have basically like destroyed these people's brains like and men mentally fucked them up so uh the demoni are basically like i said they're like guard dogs like wolves uh for for the uh sanchan so going with uh, Beslin's idea of creating an uprising with them would definitely not work. And even if you did get some of like the newly chained Aes Sedai, there's still the Aes Sedai who's been there for months, maybe years, uh, who are already like mentally gone. Like they're just dogs now, they're slaves. And so definitely would go with the more covert, co covert plan with mats. It just. N knowing what we know about the Damani, it's in the Sanchan. I just don't feel like I feel like that's an easy way to to get captured and killed. Yeah, no, that's so. definitely fair. I think I agree with you on the Aes Sedai portion. Where yeah, he had a conversation with Teslin, which is one of the Aes Sedai is trying to get out of the city, and she talked about exactly what you talked about that that some of the Aes Sedai already are broken and don't want to even fight the Sanchan. But what would you do if Queen Tylen said, what if, what if Bessel was like, okay, let's try to break out the Aes Sedai that we think, you know, would, would be able to fight. And then we also got Queen Tylen to, to agree. Yeah. Let's also do this uprising. I'm going to get all the guards together. We're going to create like an insurrection and we're going to try to like set a coup and like try to do an uprising. Would you still go with the covert plan? Or at that point, would you consider the uprising? Well, then I would I would measure 
the li- the probability of winning with the cost of lives. Because uh, when the Sunshan first arrived, they absolutely, like, they barely broke, destroyed, like, like they said, they barely destroyed any buildings, and they easily took over the city. And so, uh, and so knowing, knowing that, it, it already tells me that their military power it far superior than anything they could muster up from a few, maybe a few Aes Sedai Damani that would fight against them, plus the guards and stuff that are already there. It just, it just doesn't seem likely because I feel like even if they did do the uprising, the Sanchan are just too powerful and there's just too many Damani that would side with the Soldoms that it just wouldn't even be worth it. So, uh, I, cause I would think the probability of losing would probably be like 99.9% if they started the uprising. Uh, because it's like a lot of, besides the guards, you had to think of all the civilians and the children that would probably die in the crossfire as well. And it's like, all we're trying to do is get Matt out. And then once ran, like defeats the dark one or like returns or something there could be like there's uh they have multiple networking type power like knowing people that where they could eventually probably liberate the city in a easier fashion you just gotta give it time so i feel like that i'd still i would probably still go with the covert because the only thing they're trying to do is get a few eyes to die out and get mad out and that's it uh everything else is pretty fine it's peaceful a lot of people are still alive uh and so for the time being i'd just say be patient live with it for now uh there's more important things to worry about and that's defeating the dark one yeah definitely i agree with pretty much everything you said there another reason i kind of brought this question even though i think there is more of an obvious answer or like yeah you should just do the covert plan um is it kind of turn we're gonna get into it obviously talking about this but it kind of turns into not a not so covert plan because they keep (laughs) adding people and then in fact matt even you know we're gonna get into it as well but he you know shows one of the sea folk how to take off the idom and it's like okay well that's gonna create an insurrection obviously so like at this point you're basically just doing the plan that you said you weren't going to do but uh <laughs> um but yeah we'll right. get it we'll get into that in a second here but um did you have anything else you wanted to discuss before I kind of move um, on it's it's weird cuz you hear a couple things uh in life where it's like oh if you plan for b then you're you're not going to give it all into a into plan a because you have something to fall back on so if you don't have something to fall back on, then you're going to really strive and complete A. Uh, and I feel like that is is uh, accurate in some aspects, but uh, the more people you add to a situation, the more complicated it gets. And I feel like, I, I, I don't know if this just sounds random bringing up that A and B thing I just told about, but I feel like that sort of plan is more for like an individual person reaching their goals. And I know in this, uh, Matt's mentioned 
making plan B, C, and like so on because the military power. Because like the more people involved, the more likely it's going to get fucked up. So and more complicated. So you need to have multiple plans for multiple situations that either fail or whatnot. So, uh, Matt Matt is preparing. Like even though it goes crazy. He is, he is always trying to think one step ahead. The dice are always rolling. I'm so freaked up, man. I'm so freaked God, up. God, <laughs> dice. Ah. The dice what? are rolling. Dice are rolling. But yeah, I agree. So with yeah, that, so. Uh, is there anything you disagree on? Um, No, I prompted that question to, to create that conversation because I think it's an interesting oh, okay. conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, thought, I felt like it was an obvious answer too where it's like you shouldn't do that but then he kind of does it anyway so that's i just wanted to create like that irony i guess when i get into this section but. yeah that's pretty good <laughs> uh yeah so um just more context on the situation here for my notes so tom again tom's part of this this plan of course tom julian and matt are you know the, the three musketeers baby besties for life so tom Let's learns go. that one of the blood can take Damani out of the city with no questions asked so they can do whatever they want basically but they need a signed order you know from the blood to do that so i'm just bringing that up because it's going to be important later but during this planning uh the golem also is continuing to kill in the city he's just sporadically killing people and draining them of all their blood because they're like a vampire uh thing <laughs> and yeah that- and at that point, it's it's kind of sending the city into a, into a like sense of unease because the Shan Shan obviously are all about order and control. So the fact that this like Golom is just going around killing people and nobody can find it is making people uneasy. So Matt is like, you know, getting more and more stressed out because he's like, man, the city is like on edge. I'm trying to leave this city. I don't know when Thailand's going to come back because, you know, they might come back early because this Golom's killing all these people. So he thinks he probably only has about two or three days to escape at this point. Um, luckily, you know, the positive part of this section is Julian is able to steal the disguises, the Soldan disguises. So they return to the Wandering Woman where Jolene is. She's the Aes Sedai who's hiding in the tavern, the Wandering Woman. And she tries to test out a stolen Idon that they have, but she kind of just falls down in pain and they don't really know how to use it. So Matt's like, okay, I got to change my plan. Kind of like what you're saying, Josh. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, O, P. Yeah, so <laughs> he has to change his plan. Um, and That part was... Yeah, go ahead. So I was like, that part was uh, was rough where they're putting... Uh, she's like, yeah, I can take it. And then they like try it. And she's just fucking screaming in pain, and Matt's just like, I can just picture Matt like cringing, like, oh god, I shouldn't have done that. And then the warders are just livid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're like, they she's definitely not doing this again. Have a sexual relationship? Yes. So probably at least it's, it's implied. It's hinted at. It's yeah. implied. That's hot. <laughs> Let's go, Robert Jordan. Dude, Jolene is a lucky woman no okay so (laughs) no yeah i agree with you it's like pretty stark to see her put on the eye dom and immediately just be in agony which you know thinking about it logically it makes sense just putting on something that relinquishes all your control uh you know or takes away all your control i mean that's like fucking horrible so 
Yeah, what what's the what's the the themes? What's the themes we got here? Um threesomes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> don't That's wear eye doms. Don't, don't be wear eye doms. A slaver. Where's the the male eye dom? That's what the with uh what's his name oh man i can't yeah i can't even remember where the male idom is i know they bring it up in this section they, at some point yeah but. oh if we if we get if we get to it we'll get to it and if we don't then i'll mention it okay then i'll mention it before we end okay because cool. i kind of remember actually well i do remember but all right you can continue sick all right so yeah matt's like all right we can't do this anymore we can't put the idom on her this isn't gonna work so he's like, shit, I don't know what we're going to do. And that's when he Ganon, again, who is one of the blood at this point. She's the one who is in love with Bale Dome on the sailor. She's one of the Sean Chan. And okay, uh, I can stop you there real quick. Yeah, go Those two are the ones who have the male item. Okay. Go. I was okay. waiting. All right. So they, they have they the it. male item, which is extremely important, obviously, because if people find out about it, then they could try to, you know, yeah. chain ran. If if anyone really remembers. any Ashaman, really. So yeah, yeah, really. Um, so it was from book four or five where he Bale was supposed to dump it. Oh uh, yeah, it was, you're right. And and he didn't. So just throwing throwing those out real that out. He's quick, a right? scurvy He's, sailor who did not scurvy. throw it away. That son of a bitch. That son of a bitch. <laughs> Anyway, um, <laughs> he kind of redeems himself here, but not really. <laughs> so he he and again and um, talk with Matt. You know, they all go to the they all go back to the Wandering Woman. They have a little beersy, little brewski, and uh, Matt learns <laughs> that Eganon is running from the Seekers. So once Matt kind of learns that, um, he's like, "All right, I can strike a deal with you." Where it's like, "All right." I will help you escape as well. Again, going back to the theme now of adding more people to this plan. Um, and if you can provide me with three real Suldom to like help with the escape. So Eganon's like, yeah, I can do that. So we I was told I could yeah, trust no. <laughs> you. The way Matt Cawthon. For all three of you who listen to this podcast, but for the people who don't, <laughs> listen to audiobooks the way the <laughs> author uh, the the voice actors like talk when the sean chan talk is just hilarious because obviously robert jordan describes them as like being drunk almost like they slur like they draw very lispy yeah they like draw so they just talks like they're fucking snakes like reminds me of harry potter yeah, it, it does sound like Harry Potter, like they're fucking parcel tongues. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we have like the context of the plan now. We got like general building blocks of this plan. So Matt and Eganon start to carry it out. So the first part of this plan is Besslin, again, the son of Queen Thailand, and his friends light a bunch of Sean Chan stuff on fire to create a distraction. And then Eganon goes and meets with Jolene with the Suldom. Tom, Jolene, and the others will meet with Matt later. And Julin is making his way to Thera. So you can already see here how there's a lot of people involved in this. <laughs> and it's mm -hmm. only going to get 
crazier. So Matt meets yeah. up with Egannon and Jolene. Um, and then the next part I kind of wrote about here was what I was uh, alluding to earlier with the, the Sea Folk Windfinder. So Matt is now in the Damani Kennels, quote unquote. Um, and he goes in the one kennels and encounters like a Sea Folk Windfinder. So after talking to her for a little bit, he shows her how to remove the IDOM. Um, you know, he has her remove it three times just to make sure she understands how to remove it. And he tells her, okay, please wait three hours before removing this IDOM and getting the other wind finders out of here because I'm trying to escape right now. So um, she agrees to that. But of course, you know, again, we're throwing another person in this equation. You know, is she going to wait the three hours? Who knows? So, yeah, um, it's yeah, what's really interesting about this escape uh, that they're trying to do. It's just it sounds so simple. And then Robert Jordan keeps throwing in these curveballs. That's like because it's like, how how are we supposed to make this interesting? And he found a way I was uh, it's like every every time something would happen, it would go wrong. And then Matt would have to think on his toe, think think on his toes real quick of a solution or, or something like this where he really didn't have to do this. And he's just no. like, he's, he's, he's a good guy. So he's like, you can say, say whatever you want. Right. You're right. Like <clears throat> with your words and shit, but your actions speak louder than your words. And so when Matt talks, he's kind of like, sometimes he's kind of like a, a whiny womanizer, uh sex addict, uh, alcoholic gambler. Piece of shit, asshole, Piece of dickhead, shit, asshole, fucking dick, idiot. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, we all love Matt, but yeah, no, yeah, Matt. you're right. Yeah, but then, but it's like at the end of the day, look at the actions he's taken to even save someone from from slavery when he's trying to escape. He's on a time crunch, and he's still risking it all just to save maybe one more person. And so, and then when you think of it, what's one more person? Yeah, you know, and so it's like. Yeah, okay, Matt, I'm down. Yeah, no, I, I debated on putting this in my notes, but then I thought about it more, and I'm like, you know, this is a this is a good character moment for Matt, because like you said, he can be kind of an asshole um, a lot with his words, but yeah, like, these actions, like, here really show you that he is a good person, and even though his original plan, and he's he's kind of sulky about it at some points, but he's like, oh, I just want to get out of here with Tom and Julie, and let's just make it really simple. And, you know, it gets more complicated as time goes on. But that kind of just shows that he cares, right? Like, he doesn't want people to be stuck with the Sean Chan. So, yeah, it's it's definitely, like, a character moment for him. So that's why, like, I included it. But, yeah. Cool. That's, that's all I had on that. You can... All right. Sorry for keep interrupting you. No, I, please interrupt me at any point. Feel free to interrupt me. Even if I'm in the middle of a passage, please interrupt me because I don't remember everything i don't think people are our three listeners probably aren't here for my amazing memory so they they've <laughs> memorized it completely yeah they're and fucking so, yeah so that way they can call me out uh later on when yeah. i miss shit, so. <laughs> uh leave in the comments of how much shit andrew how much missed. this guy sucks <laughs> all right <laughs> so um yeah afterward so matt comes out of that room that kennel whatever um and he encounters Egannon talking to a Dural, a Darusaldom, a Darusaldom, I don't know how to pronounce it, I can't remember how the voice actor said it, but it's like a head Suldom. Um, 
and the the head sold on like hey you can't take tesla out of here she's not ready to like be out in the field and Gannon kind of talks her way out of it at one point matt's like hey you want me to choke this girl out because <laughs> yeah. he's like he's like behind her and he could easily just choke her out and they could hide her um but you know Gannon's like no you don't you know she she indicates to him you don't need to do that just leave and i can handle it so i thought that was kind of a funny moment but anyway Gannon, you know talks her way out of it matt goes to queen thailand's bed chambers and he actually finds <laughs> Queen Thailand in there, a, a surprise, surprise. They have to have their moment, but yeah, uh, that's that was so damn funny. Yeah. This, this whole scene, I'll let you talk through it first, and then we can go. Yeah, into yeah, absolutely. Details. Yeah, so yeah, she she she's in there. She's returned early. Um, the long and short of this is, you know, they talk for a little while. Um, Queen Thailand ends up kissing him and then slapping him right after a, jo- a Robert Jordan classic of. A woman kissing a man, then immediately slapping him. Um, <laughs> it was the nineties. It was the nineties. I mean, I'm not gonna say it still happens now. You know, it was it was funny <laughs> for me. I laughed like literally out loud when that happened. But, um, yeah, I loved it. Me too. Queen Thailand's like, hey, you know, why don't you stay with me one more night and then you can leave tomorrow? Like, she doesn't have any problem with him leaving. Basically, um. She's like, you know, you can stay with him one more and then and then leave tomorrow. But he's like, all right, I, I have to leave tonight. Um, Matt actually tries to convince Tylan to come with him, which I also thought was comical. Like I knew Tylan was going to be like, why the hell would I do that? And yeah, she did right? say that. She's like, I'm a queen. Like, I'm not going to leave my subjects. You know, I'm still the queen of this area. I'm not going to like just uh, abandon my people. <laughs> so yeah. um, she says no. And, you know, she still wishes him well. You know, she's like, you know, I'll, I'll still support you, whatever. And just to make sure that she is not suspected as being part of this whole escape plan, Matt, you know, ties her up and hides her under the bed. So that way, you know, in the morning, the servants will find her. And, you know. and she's like into it. Like she's she like going, she's, she's like you gotta it. do it. Yeah. She's like gotta rip rip it rip yeah. it right here and then tie tie it and then he's like he's like she tried to escape just so it could like show <laughs> but like show that she at least had a struggle so there would be no doubt about it. It's a spicy scene. We get it, maybe yeah. uh, a window into what kind of stuff the ribbons were used for in the the pink ribbons or whatever that he burned right a, a while ago. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> This was uh, this scene was just super funny because it uh, well not only funny but it was also kind of a little uh, romantic you know in a, in a weird in a sense I'm mean, not a weird sense because it goes to show Matt and Thailand's like actual relationship because I know when we first got introduced this kind of relationship with Matt and her uh, I know we weren't recording at the time but it was like it seemed very uh, rapey yeah one sided. For sure. Not non-consensual. But uh but then like seeing their relationship now and it's like it's uh yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, like, he's at the Matt's even at the point where he might even be in love with her because he tells her to come with him. So like yeah, well, like I don't, a whole one eighty. I don't know if you'd be in love with I mean, I, I don't know, man. You're not going to tell a woman to come with you unless you really care about him, at least. At least in my opinion. I mean, he's not going to come out and say it because he's mad. But I don't know. I think it's implied there. Uh, yeah, maybe. Maybe. But. 
he did he did end up just leaving her behind but it was so funny that she was like she was like you're you're just a pretty it's like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna leave my whole f- like kingdom for you like bro. <laughs> well it, it's hilarious because like let's analyze the bell curve of this relationship right so like the beginning like you said it's one-sided uh kind of rapey and then now we're at the end of the bell curve where it's like the opposite where like matt is invested in thailand and thailand's like nah fuck fuck off yeah it's literally, <laughs> it literally did 180 yeah so yeah uh, yeah it's interesting interesting Got, at least now we know that the storyline is over yes and <laughs> it's it's very symbolic i feel like because we're i mean when i get to the next part here but keep going if you want to say anything oh that's about it it was uh i don't the whole scene was just pretty pretty good i thought i think it was well written uh i definitely enjoyed it as a reader yeah yeah, it's uh, it's immediately followed up with Matt encountering Tuan. So you kind of have a little yep. bit of symbolism there, where there's a clean break between Matt and Thailand. It's like, okay, that relationship is now done. It's over. Mm-hmm. So now, immediately as he comes out of the room, he meets Tuan, which we know he's prophesied to marry. So, you know, he yes. encounters Tuan. Tuan knows that Matt is trying to escape, so she attacks him. They fight for a while, and it, it even though Tuan is described as a pretty frail, like small woman, she's kind of beating him and uh noel the old man that uh matt brought back from the streets of the ebudar to the castle he's just living there with him he actually comes up behind tuan and then like grabs her and they're able to overpower her so uh matt ties her up julian arrives with his lover uh amethera who i think is a sean chan she is sean chan i can't remember i can't remember either. Everybody's I mean, hooking barely... up with Sean Chan now, but um, yeah, everyone. Well, I mean, I mean that accent, dude. That accent. It's like the Spanish and the uh, what are the Mayans? There I guess. Go. I mean, imagine with what they can do with their tongues. So right. <laughs> <laughs> but the... Go ahead. Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so what's funny is with the two on and Matt's fight is like. You know, Matt is not like none of the main three boys are really gonna want to like fight a woman, and that that was like whole Rand's whole thing too with with what he went through is why why he's so hard. <laughs> uh, but then Matt hasn't really gone through something like that. That and his legs all fucked up still, so he's not really fighting his best. But he doesn't really want to fight his best. So, but she's like playing with him and like smiling. He's like, I can see her kind of smiling, but she's not. Or I mean, she is. But she's hiding it pretty well, and then uh, every now and then, like she'd focus focus more on beating him, and it was a fun little uh, quirky thing because we we know uh, as readers that uh, who she is, daughter of the nine moons, and everyone remembers the prophecy from the fourth book. I mean, I know it by heart. I'm not going to recite it right now, but you know what I mean. So we all know that she's going to be like the love interest, right? And so watching this little fight kind of is uh, interesting. We get to see both characters kind of react. Mostly her, because we know she's into him. Uh, so we get to see how she's like crushing on this guy who's escaping. And most times she's toying with him just to see how strong or how manly or how assertive, how aggressive 
he is, or just to kind of see what he would do, see his reactions, test him. So I thought it was a very interesting segment of yeah, her per- of getting definitely. getting a more taste of her personality. Definitely. So she kicked his ass. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> she basically did. Um, Noel, though, coming up from behind and like right? surprisingly very strong, which you know makes you wonder about him. Was like, hmm, is he everything that he says he is? Because for being an old man, he's surprisingly well versed in combat. So yeah, he caught two on. He made the golem disappear. Yeah. He's still a little sus. Little sus still. Little yeah, sus. Little sus. How did he know can, that Matt was there? Just a little can, sus. Little sus. I I can trust him a little bit still. I feel like I feel like we're supposed to trust or we're supposed to think to trust him. Yes. But not. There's just a He's little just bit a little of doubt. Sus. Wouldn't be just surprised if there's some kind of betrayal at some point, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Is it Osmodian? I'll never know. Uh, no, he's actually yeah, he's, he's actually dead. dead. He's dead as fuck. Yeah, they they literally <laughs> literally wrote at the end. I think it was book five. Yeah, I think it was book five. It just literally just like Osmodian died. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. straight up. Yeah, straight up. So yeah. we know he's not coming back. Rip Osmodian. <laughs> Alright, you can continue. All right, so yeah, so Julian arrives with his lover Amethera, and um, the rest of the I'm just gonna call them the escape squad. So I don't have to list everybody out. Um, the escape squad arrives, and it's revealed to Matt that Tuan is the daughter of the Nine Moons because the Suldam refer to her as that, and they actually kneel to her or they get on the ground. So this, yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say this part was absolutely hilarious because I was we were all just wondering when this was going to happen or how it was going to happen and it's just so funny that this chick who's been stalking matt <laughs> and then they have their little fight <laughs> and, and it attacks him out. yeah well it's just really funny because uh, this plan's gone to shit there's just too much <laughs> going too much going on. i said changed all the time and then now he gets like that like the one he's supposed to marry and all this all this crap and matt's just just like he's like <sighs> well she's coming with us and then i just imagine everyone in their anime cartoon moment they're just like what <laughs> yeah and he's yeah. just like she's gonna be my wife and then her what? face like he just you know he's like you see like her eyes i think like got wider or something like she was like pleased but she's also just kind of like what the hell yeah well he <laughs> says it three times too he doesn't yeah. just say it once he's like she's gonna she is he doesn't even say it in the future tense he says it in the present tense he's like she is my wife like yeah as if she's they're already married so it's it's awesome it's so, so funny yeah. i love it yeah because i think like all this shit is just so much shit going on the plan's gone the shit and then he's just been looking since book five four uh, for this woman and he finally found her and he's like and you know he's like of course it's a fucking sanchan he's course. like he never would have guessed he's like he doesn't like the sanchan no one no one does they're slaveholders so he's probably what's probably going through his mind is like i'm i finally got free of being like this sex slave for this queen <laughs> and now i'm about to like now according to prophecy i have to marry a slaveholder yep or it's a, it's 
I don't know. I, I don't know if this was intentional with all like the slave themes going on, but it's like Matt's trying to free all the slaves, uh, and then in there, it's so he can get out, and he's gonna be marrying a slaveholder. So is it like, is he gonna free her from being a slaveholder, or free her mind from being? an asshole slaveholder or is it like showing that he's freeing everyone else but he's still in chains i don't know oh yeah i don't know i'm not a book analytics a book book uh, lore master yeah i'm not a lore master i haven't finished the series yet (laughs) so i don't know stuff to stuff to think about yeah definitely well adding on to the uh gang of Escape Squad E's, uh, Seleucia, or Seleucia, whatever, um, Tuan's <laughs> hairdresser slash bodyguard, you know, arrives in the room, and they're like, uh, fuck. So Matt's like, all right, well, we have to take Tuan, um, obviously, because she's my wife, and then we're going to have to take Seleucia, too. So let's just take Seleucia. So now we've added an additional two people <laughs> to this game. Yeah. Um, and, and in fact, so when Matt says, uh, you know, it was like, okay, we have to take Tuan with us. And everybody's like, you know, animate moment. What? But mm-hmm. uh, Tuan actually smiles at that. And it makes Matt shiver. Like he's like, afraid, <laughs> he's very afraid of her. Yeah. Um, and there's just the whole passage in Matt's brain about like how different they are. Like you said, slaveholder versus slave, you know, liberator. Uh, very free spirit with Matt versus very controlled with Tuan and the Shan Shan. You know, very mm-hmm. animated, easy to read yeah. with uh, Matt versus very reserved and like, you know, has almost an Aes Sedai level ability of, of hiding her emotions in Tuan. And then on top of that, you have, you know, Matt being a sheep herder from the Two Rivers versus Tuan, who is like one of the highest in royalty of the Shan Shan. And it's so much so that even Ganon, who is one of the blood, which is supposedly the you know the best of the best, kneels to her too. So you got a whole lot of parallels where where they're very different, but they have to get married. So it's definitely one of those like I assume at some point opposites attract kind of you know situation. But. Yeah, because that's because I feel like there's gonna have to be some common ground eventually for them to actually grow feelings for each other because the. Uh, Besides, like, physical attraction. Right. Because, obviously, physical attraction is not going to keep it. But uh, right now, they're set up to be completely different. So, the dynamic, how we're going to watch the relationship grow with the rest of the series, is going to be very interesting. And we are, like, in the second half of the series, right? Like, cause we only go goes up to 14. I mean, there's 15 books. We'll do the prequel eventually. But, like... After this, it's just, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. So we got five books to see what's going to come of this relationship. Yeah, definitely. We're in the home stretch. So it'll be interesting to see how they kindle a fire. Yeah. You and, you know, I, I'm looking forward to seeing this relationship more than I am seeing uh, Rand defeat the Dark One. Honestly, me too, because obviously, like, the Dark One thing is something that we have seen many times. And I don't think that is necessary. It is the main storyline, don't get me wrong. 
but I don't know if it's necessarily the strong point of this series, right? Like the strong point of this series, like we've talked about many times is like the different perspectives, the relationships between the characters and all the character development and the detail. So like stuff like this with Matt and Tuan's relationship is way more interesting to me as well in comparison to like, oh, the chosen one, you know, arc. If you will. Yeah, I was uh, I was completely kidding. I'm just saying. You know, Are you serious? Yeah, I, was just <laughs> I honestly, <laughs> dude, I honestly don't care. Like, I mean, I care. Oh, I care. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. No, I care. No, okay. But right. I, this I'll, is something just, we can definitely disagree on because, like, yeah. I care. Don't get me wrong. But I, like, we know what's gonna just, happen. Yeah. So it's know, not that interesting to me. You know. Yeah. No, I get it. No. I'm more in for was... the ride. <laughs> I'm in for the ride. Just, just like with every other series i've read like most ser- most me- media i feel like is so copied over and over and over again we all know how things are going to end so to me the journey is always the more fun part the yeah. more fun part to me is the hobbits leaving the shire and having their adventures not when they destroy the ring which is obvious yeah because it's obvious they're gonna do it it's yeah. Lord of the rings but yeah so but yeah i was uh so let me let me go further into basically what I was, what yeah, I was saying ahead. is yeah. that so yeah I really I cannot wait because like I love big bad versus big good like I just I'm just a sucker for that shit but like like you said too I love the if the journey there isn't good then the payoff doesn't matter because you know I feel like that's the problem with a lot of modern movies and TV is that there's nothing really in between that that grabs me that makes me care for the characters they just go from like a to b and they beat the big bad and that's it go home and it's like it's like we so we know they're going to beat the big bad but what makes the story interesting is the relationships like this where you have matt and her are prophesized to be together they need each other in order to help rand beat the dark one it's prophesized so them being completely different, but having a, that physical attraction to each other uh, is more interesting to see where it develops. That will eventually lead to the ending. So, yeah, the journey, journey there, all about the journey, because we all know how it's going to end. So it's all. So yeah, so I'm I'm not saying I I was just so I made a joke, but. This is now me <laughs> explaining what. Uh... No, we can disagree, man. I mean, I, yeah. I totally get it. I like. I both. mean, obviously, the ending is what everybody wants to see, but I guess just for me in particular, we know how it's. I mean, we don't know how the battle is going to particularly go out. We don't know who's going to die. Well, we know Rand's probably going to die, but you know, or come back or whatever. But um, he's prophesized to die, so yeah, so he might die and then just come back. But yeah, like to me anyway yeah like i the journey is more fun to me just because i know what the unless we're watching you know some crazy shit you know like some that's why stephen king is kind of fun too not yeah. to go back on that on a different <laughs> author but yeah, yeah like i don't know how the hell that's gonna end but with this i yeah. know so. yeah because that's well and that's another thing too with uh with stephen king stuff is that that's all journey yes. really because i mean like like here in uh in this book series, we have we know we like we have the ending. It's like okay, Rand's gonna fight the Dark One. He has to win. Uh, but like Dark Tower, it's just get to the tower. The world, 
Midworld's getting destroyed. Just get to the tower. And it's like, well, what the fuck's the tower? How's that going to save anything? It's like, we don't, you don't know jack shit. You don't know how anything's going to happen. But you already know that Rand has to fight the Dark One. So it's like, uh, with Stephen King, I feel like this is all, uh, all relationship buildups and such. Just kind of like what this book's this book series does. But the difference is, we know, we we can most likely predict this book's ending over Dark Tower. No spoilers for Dark Tower. I haven't finished that yet. There's also a lot of dick in uh, Stephen King. So that's oh, pretty, definitely. Well, there's kind of becoming oh. more dick in this book too. So yeah. You know. Yeah, but well, this book also has women. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's this kind. There's there's occasionally a woman in Stephen King's. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> and snakes. Yep, and snakes. No one's gonna get that reference unless uh, they've read read it. Dark Tower. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Well, what's next? <laughs> All right. So that is the end of Matt's perspective. We're going to switch to Rand. So again, kind of continuing the theme of a lot of cliffhangers here, but we're going to switch to Rand and we're back in far matting. And if you remember, you cannot channel in far matting because they have some weird, I think it's a Tarangriol, like in the center of the city or something like that, that prevents channeling. Um, so just going to bring that out again, but there's a bunch of details in the beginning of this switch to Rand's perspective about formatting. I'm not going to go really into it. Um, Josh, if you want to talk about anything about it, we can, but I, there's not a ton I wanted to talk about there. Um, the one thing I will mention, though, is Luz Theron and Rand are talking inside their head quite a bit. Um, Luz Theron just reminding Rand, you know, if you try to cleanse the taint, you could die. And he's, like, shouting in his head. And at one point, even Rand just spills his drink because Luz Theron's just going off. Yeah. Eliana. Eliana, my love. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, there's not really too too much here. It's yeah. like you know, you read you read the book and you know about the the environment they're in. Uh you know, it's pretty uh pretty basic rand stuff, you know. Loose Theron's going ape shit in his head. Uh the taint is harming Rand. Uh, they're in a place he can't channel. So we know that, and we know since the beginning of the prologue of this book that he is going to attempt to get rid of the taint. So now this section is finally, it's getting there. Like we're going to see Rand continue his goal that he said he was going to pursue. So it's, I think this part just setting up everything for Rand that we've known through the whole book series th thus far is that the taints driving him nuts. Who's Theron won't shut the hell up. <laughs> uh, and he's, and then, it, and then it just shows this, the setting. So, so it's the perfect like start point to remind us of what Rand's goal in this book is in the first place. Yeah, definitely. So, after that, Varen and Rand talk for a bit. So Varen tells him that the Shan Shan are building military defenses along the coast and other parts of, this, of Andor. Um, basically just saying to him that, you know, the battles that he fought against the Shan Shan haven't done much to hamper them. It hasn't really made a big impact. So that kind of uh, impacts Rand again, you know, that if you've read this series, obviously that's a common theme of Rand, you know, 
constantly under emotional turmoil. But he struggles with, you know, the idea of sacrificing the men in those battles for nothing. Um, and then after that, he tells Varen, hey, could you ask Cad Swain to be my advisor? Because I think I need Cad Swain's advice. So mm-hmm. after that, um, Rand talks to Lan um, in a tavern. And they talk about how Cad Swain is hanging out with uh, the rest of the female entourage, you know, Min, Nynaeve, and then the former Damani, Olivia. So Rand actually tells Lan, okay, I'd like to leave farm adding in the, mar- in the morning. You know, I don't think we need to go up to these last Ashaman. Let's just leave. So the girls arrive, Nynaeve, Min, and Olivia, and they, they kind of talk about Nynaeve's tar on grills. I'm not going to, like, go really deep into that, but... The real kicker of this part is the innkeeper approaches with a letter for Rand and Min actually gets to it first, reads it, and then attempts to cast it into the fire. Yeah. <laughs> sealed, I was like, he's a sealed a dragon. Door. Uh, cast it into the fire, sealed door. Um, but Rand catches <laughs> it and then reads it, which, you know, pisses Min off. The letter tells Rand where the final two Ashaman are. So it tells him, hey, they're in this building. And also, could you please leave farm adding after you're done with this? So Min is like, obviously, this is a fucking trap. Don't go there. And Rand is like, well, if you know it's going to be a trap, then it's not. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Rand, Nynaeve, and Lan go to that building. So they're going to go off to that. And Rand leaves Min behind at the end. But Min goes and looks for Cat Swain, which is just, I'm just going to put that detail in there because it'll be important later but that's kind of the stopping point i have here that's the end of chapter 32 we'll kind of talk some more uh about what happens here in the next part but yeah if you want to talk about anything go right ahead yeah so uh this whole scene is interesting because you know first we we get to see how comfortable men is around rand at this point obviously she is they bonded him they uh, they have sex a lot, you know. Their, their relationships going <laughs> yeah, pretty quite good. Yeah, well, according so, to Alana, literally all the time. So yeah, literally all the time. <laughs> so, so you get comfortable enough that she sees this letter and she knows Rand. She knows exactly what he's going to want to do, and so she attempts to get rid of it. Uh, so it goes to show that she's like trying. She's upset because she knows what he's going to do, and she's trying to protect him from it because it's a bad idea. And it was interesting that Nanive also went along with this, too. Just to goes to show how much she either trusts Lan and Rand, uh, <laughs> because I feel like before she would have sided with Min, but at this at this point she's soft softened up uh, from Lan, so she's more willing to go along with what they want to do. And then Lan's obviously going to go along with what. Rand's gonna do, yeah, because he's the dragon, you know. And I guess Lan respects him in a way. I feel like Lan so, is also kind of almost like a father figure as well, a little bit to Rand. Yeah. So obviously he's gonna do whatever. Yeah, he wants to him. protect him. Yeah, as well. So there's just a lot of interesting uh, character dynamic dynamics going on here. Is it we get to see? Nanive and how she's changed uh, because of her relationship with Lan because I definitely think she would not have gone along with this but she can't stop him so she might as well go along with him yeah which in my opinion is 
is a sign of a yeah a sign of a healthier relationship i mean at at some point uh you kind of just have to support your significant other right so you know if they want to do something and it's important to them i mean there's some things obviously you can disagree on and you're you're not going to support them but in general i mean you're fucking married you have to (laughs) yeah support (laughs) support each other so yeah it definitely shows some some growing on 90s part I definitely feel like she trusts uh, Rand a lot more too yeah. these days. Definitely. But he's not—he's not the same sheep herder he was back in. He's book not one. a wool-headed like, sheep herder. He might be wool-headed, but he doesn't—he doesn't, he doesn't uh, not a sheep herder anymore. He's—he's he's killer. He's Dragon. rock hard, Rand. Yeah, he's rock hard, Rand. Always rock hard. Which we'll get into next video. Yes, how we hard will. He actually gets. Yes. Uh, but it's yeah, men's pissed off. Uh, yeah. yeah. What are you? Well, guess we don't really need to do predictions. Yeah, I think I'll save I'll save that for the next part. Um, as as well. But yeah, I don't have much else to kind of talk about here. We'll obviously get into the finale in the next episode but is there anything else you wanted to discuss before i kind of close this out uh i guess the the only thing is we've since we've already read the whole book that's the reason i don't want to do the predictions yes so exactly. if that makes sense for anyone listening of like because we do predictions at the end of every the three episode, listeners will be like what the hell man the three listeners yeah i wanted those predictions well this was originally going to be one video but it is a lot more detail oriented than we, you know, cause we don't know before we read it. So yeah, the middle, the middle parts of this book, we could kind of skip over some stuff that probably isn't that important, but yeah, in this, in this part, a lot of it's important. So yeah. So, but I will be going back and listening to the end of some of our previous videos just to see what my predictions were, if I can remember and see if we get them, see if we get them right. Yeah, absolutely. All right. All right. Oh, well, I'm yeah. good on that. Okay, cool. Well, thank you all for listening. If you stuck with us this whole time, we appreciate it. To the three listeners out there, feel free to give us a like on YouTube or give us a review on wherever you get your podcast. But we very much appreciate it. And like we said, we're going to cover chapters 33 to the end, the finale of this book, next episode. Awesome. Smell you later. We'll see you later. Red. <laughs>